we are being introduced to more than enough great wine. We don't really have to go out there and search for wine. Mm. I mean, we do, um, but it's really um, internet searches. Mm. We're not actually traveling. I mean, we would love to travel, but right now that's, it would be impractical. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Pascal Lewis from the Harlem Wine Gallery. Uh, this is Ronald Dorsey with One Bottle at a Time, and we'll be back with our first guest for today. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to another edition of One Bottle at a Time. I'm your host, Ronald Dorsey. Uh, it's been a while, and we're back. And today, we have with us uh, Miss Blaine Ashley. Hello. Uh, hello, Blaine. How are you? I'm well. How All right. You? Very good. And uh, we're here today at the Harlem Wine Gallery in uh, Harlem, USA, New York City. And we're going to talk a little bit about her uh, upcoming Champagne Week 2019. Yes. Okay. The fizz is female. So, Miss Ashley, tell us a little bit about uh, your upcoming Champagne Week and uh, what our guests can expect. Okay. Well, um, I started New York Champagne Week in November 2013, so seven years ago, which is crazy. Mm. Um, When I started the week, there weren't many interesting champagnes to be found on menus and in retail stores. It was still very much big brands and I wanted to um, bring to the market some undiscovered uh, smaller producers and grower champagne brands and do that in a way where I would create fun marketable events um, to promote these beautiful champagnes that had, at the time were undiscovered. Now, mm. champagnes evolved quite a bit since I started in 2013. But Okay, wonderful. Yeah. So can you tell our audience the one bottle that we're enjoying today? Okay, so today we are having the Le Herc Frere uh, Rosé de Monnier Extra Brut. It's a beautiful champagne. I actually have a lot of um, fond memories drinking this bottle. <laughs> I've celebrated some birthdays and um, special occasions with this bottle. So it is one of my favorite rosé champagnes that's on the market. And um, it's extra brute, so it's 2.5 grams dosage. So mm. low sugar, which is quite nice. Mm. And something that the industry, people in the wine industry are gravitating toward, a lower dosage champagne. And um, yeah, it's special, 100% Pinot Meunier. So... Um, not often you find 100% Pinot Meunier champagnes. Mm. A lot of Meunier is typically a um, balancing grape. So usually you'll have a little more dominant Pinot Noir and Chardonnay and then a lesser percentage of Pinot Meunier. So it's really nice to taste um, 100% Meunier uh, champagne. Okay, excellent, excellent. And I understand that you uh, have uh, your own label. I do. Okay, um, and tell us a little bit about that. So in 2016, about actually almost three years ago to the T, I launched uh, Champagne Boulderev. It means dream bubble. Mm. And it's 100% Pinot Pinot Noir. And um, it's a four-gram dosage, but it's also extra brewed. It's a a lower sugar content. And it's just really beautiful wine. It almost drinks like a, a red wine, but with a bit of fizz. Um, a bit of like light, you know, sparkling effervescence. And um, it's a really delicious, it's a great food wine. It pretty much pairs with anything meaty and cuts right into like something like fried chicken in, in an awesome way. So it's a great food pairing wine. 
And in 2020, in April 2020, I'm going to be launching a 100% Pinot Meunier um, champagne called Petite Bet, which means tiny beast wow. in French. Mm. And I'm really excited about that. And that there's a story behind that that I, I recently launched another project called The Fizz is Female, which celebrates female made and owned bubbly wines because mm. females have been the underdog in the wine industry. <laughs> and so tiny beast is kind of like, it reminds me of myself just trying to climb up the wine okay. industry ladder and like fighting along the way and having to kind of navigate um, a lot of obstacles and the male dominated industry that it is. So. Okay. Well, I wouldn't say you ladies are the underdogs because, <laughs> because uh, you know, part of our romancing you a lot of times includes uh, bringing a bottle along. So I like the sound of that. <laughs> so I wouldn't say that you're necessarily underdogs. So now for your uh, particular uh, label, do you uh, have occasion to travel to uh, the ventures to, to work on the whole um, project? Or? Yeah, so I did select. Um, I'm not making the wine. I work with winery partners, okay. and I really try to find houses that don't have representation in the U.S. and help them by bringing in a creative, um, forward-thinking label and strategy to bring their wine to the market. And so it's more of a collaboration effort than anything else. I don't make the wine. I don't own the wine, per se. Um, we collaborate to then create a brand to sell and promote to the marketplace under my marketing platforms, which I have, which are like The Fizz is Female and Champagne Week. Mm -hmm. And um, I do sell the wine that I... Um, create with these wineries um, I am responsible for making sure that the wine is sold and paid for and um, and has you know awareness in the marketplace so I do everything the marketing the sales the promotion mm. um, the label design I work with a great designer Wonderful. on creating the labels and the stories and just you know it's it's a win-win all around right okay so yeah. now with the, the with the well with the champagne week uh, give us a little more about uh, some of the events, because I believe yeah. you said that there are actually 10. Uh, 10 events. Um, 10 so events. you can imagine how I feel at the end of the week. I'm at every single event. <laughs> I coordinate every single event. I come up with the concept, the creative hook, and I am also schlepping boxes and uh, being the host. And it's I'm wearing many hats during this week, so it's a bit it's a bit masochistic, but um, but I get to drink champagne the whole week, so that's nice. Um, so we have a opening party every year, which is a hot ticket. Um, mm. The week is largely um, catered to people in the wine industry and media. However, we open up some tickets to the um, enthusiasts, like wine enthusiasts and consumers. So. Uh, on the website, newyorkchampagneweek.com, you can find the list of events that you can sign up for and get tickets to. So we have our opening party. We have um, a fun grower champagne tasting uh, on day two called Getting Grower With It. So it's <laughs> uh, celebrating uh, all grower champagnes. Mm -hmm. And then we have our Fizz's Female Champagne Week edition where we uh, taste and hear um, a panel of leading females in the champagne industry speak. Mm -hmm. And we have a, something called Bubble Boot Camp, which is a Champagne 101 style class for a novice, someone mm. that's just getting into champagne. That's a great option for someone who wants to learn more. And uh, what else? We have a lot of um, wine uh, winemakers that are going to be doing in stores at, at stores like this. So okay. we have people coming into the city and from France to like represent their wine at mm. stores. Um, yeah, so a lot of really fun events are going on. 
Okay. Yeah. So good. So you so you have a uh, you know you have international uh, uh, people there as yeah. as well as American. So now for the most part, your wines or your or your I'm sorry your champagnes mm-hmm. uh, for the festival or do you have more? Of one or more of the other? Do you have more American, more uh, Oh, no, it's all cham- It's okay. all pure champagne from France. So okay. it has to be champagne from the champagne region. No other bubbles. <laughs> okay. But during um, the Fizz is Female, which I do year-round on a quarterly basis, well, I'm expanding that in 2020, and we're going to be focusing on other regions. So in February 2020, where we met, we're going to be focusing on um, Trentadoc, female right. winemakers from Trentadoc. Okay. And then... In um, April 2020, I'm going to be doing stuff with um, Baja and Temecula wines, which Mm. is really exciting. So I am working with domestic bubbles and bubbles from Italy, but just during Champagne Week, it is strictly champagne. Okay. (laughs) So a question we'd like to uh, ask uh, all of our guests is uh, give us that first wine or that first champagne, in your case, that knocked your socks off and made you a... uh, a champagne slash wine lover. What was the first one that you had that, you know, that really that really blew you away and you said, "Wow, I like this." And yeah, I'm going so to explore. How, how did you get there? God, that was probably 2011. So probably two years before I started Champagne Week, and it was actually in Las Vegas, which I don't spend a lot of time there. But um, I was being hosted at Ariel, the the restaurant, mm-hmm. and I was with my mother, and they brought over um, champagne Tarlant which I still have yet to work with. So Tarlant, if you're out there and want to work with me, (laughs) give me a (laughs) ring. Um, I love that wine. It was beautiful. Mm. And um, it was the first time in my life I had ever had champagne with my whole meal. Mm. So I got to experience it on another level. And it was before I was working with champagne. So I I mean, I I worked a little bit. I've been doing events for years for hotels, restaurants, magazines. But um, it was the first time I enjoyed it with an entire meal. And I can't even tell you what the meal was, but they have (laughs) wine. They have wine angels at Ariel in Mm. Vegas. And like the wine angels go up this big display thing and come down. But whatever. It was just a spectacle. But to be able to share this amazing meal where I was being taken care of. I was writing an article for magazines. They styled us out. And to get to do it with my mom and drink this beautiful bottle of champagne. And they didn't stop they just let it, it was like never ending. Mm. Just we drank that champagne for hours and hours. I feel like they probably opened three bottles for us. So it was just, it was an experience. And then a lot, a large part of what I do when I market champagne is I really focus on the pairability with food mm. because I do think champagne is the best uh, food pairing wine wonderful, wonderful. in the world. <laughs> okay. So with that, with that, give us some of your favorites. What are some of your favorite, uh, some of your favorite cuisine that you enjoy with champagne? Um, or you so, recommend? What do you like? Yeah, well, I'm from Hawaii, so oh, okay. I grew up eating a lot of like Asian food. Um, you know, the population in Hawaii is huge, so I love sushi and champagne. Mm, sushi and okay. champagne. Um, I love fries. I love truffle fries in particular because I'm a bit of, <laughs> you know, why not throw some truffle on it? Mm. Um, so fries, fried chicken. I love fried chicken and champagne. Wow. I never was a chicken <laughs> fan before I had chicken and champagne. Okay. So um, what else? I mean, there's so many other great things, but fries, chips, like really good chips um, with champagne. And uh, yeah, so... 
Wow, very yeah. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. Fried a burger, like a really yummy, delicious burger. I mean, I could go on. <laughs> okay. So now speaking of Hawaii, did you uh, did you grow up in Hawaii? Yes, I was born and brought up there. So. Wow, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. So now uh, do you do you currently split your time between Hawaii and New York? Or you? I wish. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like to try and get there in January because I even though I've lived in New York for almost a decade, you know, I don't want to be doing the whole dead of winter thing here. So (laughs) I try to get there for like a month in the winter. Mm. And luckily, I mean, you know, I'm so busy this time of year. This is champagne season. So October, November, December, I don't take a break. Mm. So when January rolls around, I can kind of afford on every level to kind of you know, go off the radar and recalibrate before you know we start launching new projects in the spring. Mm. Um, so really, in the champagne industry, if you're focused on champagne like I am, fortunately, we do get some downtime in like January and February. But then it's the rest of the year; it's pretty much busy. busy, busy. Okay. <laughs> so in Hawaii, uh, you know, obviously with the uh, with the climate and the yeah. uh, the uh, tourist culture. Yeah. And uh, the hotels. Is there is there a wine culture within Hawaii itself or is it, well, you know, would you say so? So it really is a they focus on larger brands. I mean, there are so many hotels and restaurants across the island chain and it is it's driven by visitors. Um, so, yes, like the food and beverage industry is pretty much dominating you know, the, the job market and everything there. Mm. Um, so yeah, there are amazing restaurants. There's a, there's a lot of drinks to be drunk and food to be had, but all the brands there are larger because of the cost to ship to Hawaii right, from right, right. France or crossing <laughs> two oceans. So right, right. you don't get, you don't see a lot of these like smaller, interesting, uh, more like kind of more interesting producers because the cost would be crazy to to get it there and get it on the menus. You see more people like Vouve and Dom and uh, Perrier Jouet and right, Piper right. Heidsick brands like that. So those brands are great. I'm not, but you don't see these like little guys that we have the. Um, we are, we're fortunate enough to be exposed to in a market like New York. Um, but I will say champagne, you know, I started my love affair with champagne working at a French restaurant that was on the beach in Hawaii wow. as a hostess when I was like 19 mm. because that particular restaurant was famous for their proposals. Like it was a proposal spot. Mm. So every night I would see a beautiful sunset and someone get engaged and I would see a bottle of champagne being popped. So mm. I got to interact with it more than you would typically get to as a local in Hawaii, I feel like. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So now speaking of France yeah. and uh, the Champagne region, uh, have you had occasion to visit some of the uh, world famous champagne vendors in France? Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite houses that I've visited, speaking of larger brands, was Piper Heidsick. Um, they ha- I don't know if she's still with the company, so I'm hesitant to say the name, but her name was Cecile Bonafon. She's an incredible woman in champagne. And she was originally with Vouve Clicquot and started the Vouve, the famous Vouve Polo matches that they do in the Hamptons and in LA and everywhere. So after she left Vouve, she went to Piper Heidsick and I got to have lunch with her and tour the winery and it was incredible. And other than that, I visited a lot of like smaller producers because my mission really is to bring them to the forefront in the New York market. So, um, 
I visited places like, you know, Lallier, um, Ayala, which is actually a really interesting brand. They're the sister brand to um, Bollinger, which everybody knows Bollinger. Right. So Ayala. Um, yeah, so Gose, which is a big brand. But I've visited quite a bit of wineries. And in spring of 2020, I'm working on taking a trip of um, to visit a group of women called La Transmission. Mm. They're all women in Champagne. They're winemakers and CEOs and heads of Champagne houses that have come together to create a group. And we are discussing my bringing over um, some female sommeliers from around the U.S. Mm. to kind of make it like an empowerment trip. Um, and that's very in line with my physis female focus right now. So really just trying to help women in the wine industry get ahead and have experiences um, that are empowering and inspiring. So hopefully that happens. If it doesn't happen in 2020, it will happen in 2021. <laughs> Everything I say on air happens. It happens. Definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Might not happen in the timeline I wanted to, but it will happen. It will happen. Definitely. <laughs> okay, wonderful. So uh, let's say for uh, someone that uh, is a champagne drinker during the holidays, for, mm -hmm. because for some people, champagne is just something that's, you know, for those particular festive occasions, Right. Uh, in our culture, anyway, in the United States, you know, Christmas and New Year's especially, uh, give us something, give us a champagne to convince someone that this is something that you can enjoy year round. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a huge mission of mine as well. So my yeah. missions are both, I would say, largely to promote undiscovered brands and to get people to drink champagne year round. Mm -hmm. Um like I said, it's an amazing food pairing wine. Um, it cuts into fat and grease and fried foods just exceptionally well. That's fine. Also, it's like the whole like treat yourself, you right, know, right, like, right, right, right. like why not like pop a bottle of champagne when you're like cleaning the house on mm. a Tuesday night? Mm. You know what I mean? Okay, or like okay. take a little bath, self-love, you know, like right, it's right. such a special wine and there's often like rich history and the process it takes to make a bottle of champagne. And, and it's, you know, it's something that is so special. And I think that the marketplace and especially New Yorkers, cause we're, we're pretty savvy. Like, you know, I think people are starting to appreciate more of the story behind the wine mm. and the process of the, they want to know where their food and is coming from and their drink is coming from and like quality over quantity. So I do think New Yorkers have a particular advantage when it comes to like opening up their mindset to like drink champagne on a more, off, a, more often basis versus just on special occasions. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. So now, if you can give our audience the, uh, once again, the dates for okay. Champagne Week and also, uh, I guess, the location or locations here in New York it's City. It's locations. Um, right. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, November 4th through 8th, and um, you can find all of the information on the events and the locations at www.newyorkchampagneweek.com. Okay, wonderful. And uh, your company is Pompette. Pompette NYC, so Pompette um, means tipsy in French, and really it's just my parent company, um, and it houses all of my projects, so my brands, um, any other events I'm doing for for clients and consulting work, um, Champagne Week, and then the Fizz is Female, so everything is on pompettenyc.com. Um, but champagneweek.com is where all the Champagne Week information is. Okay. And uh, I guess uh, other than the uh, websites, if someone wants to reach out to you via email or via, um, or via social Instagram. media, how can they contact you? Okay. <laughs> uh, it's pretty easy. It's at Champagne Blaine. Mm. 
I don't think my parents knew when I was in the womb that I was going to get into the champagne business, <laughs> but it sure has served me well. Okay, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so one of my clients uh, from Champagne Nicola Foyat, Champagne Wayne, mm. his name's Wayne, he gave me the name Champagne Blaine. He loves to tell everyone he gave me that, so... Hi, Wayne. Thanks. Wow, wonderful, Thanks. wonderful. <laughs> okay, so now we have a uh, bonus today. Yeah. As part of the Fizz's female. I brought a friend. You brought a friend. So. You brought a friend, Miss, uh, Miss Doreen Winkler. Do you want me to, like, introduce her and Please hand do. it over? Please okay. do. Please do. So, um, Champagne Week is November 4th, but on October 28th, we have the official launch party of Orange Glue which is a new orange wine subscription service. Um, so like to your door delivery, like she'll tell you more about it. But I had to share the spotlight with my buddy and who I'm helping with her company as much as I can in my spare time, <laughs> which is none. Um, so I brought Doreen Winkler along to talk about her company, Orange Glue. So I'm going to pass over the torch. All right. Okay. Okay, welcome, Doreen. Are you, are you hearing me okay with the yes. switchover? Okay, wonderful. Now, Hi. Doreen is a, uh, from her bio, a natural wine sommelier. So uh, we'll be right. a little more uh, informal since we've had a little champagne together, and we'll call you a natural wine psalm. So you can, she's a, a psalm today. So now for the uh, untutored, uh, give us a little bit of information about orange wine what is this orange wine what i mean what is this versus banana wine versus cherry wine versus versus kumquat wine give us what is this orange wine craze that i've been hearing about the last few years tell us tell our audience uh what what what, what is orange wine so basically um it does not contain any oranges <laughs> right. um orange wine is basically white wine um that is made um with the skins on. So usually when you make white wine, you press the, um, the crepes and uh, separate it from the skins and the seeds. Um, but this old techniques, uh, you basically um, smash the grapes and leave it together. Mm. Okay. For a while. For a while. For whenever, you know, it could be one day, it could be months. Okay. Now, who is the uh, who is the is this something that's from the uh, from the old world or is this a new world thing or is there a particular contrarian that decided to, you know, or a particular maverick that decided to say I'm going to leave the skins in? You know, where does the orange wine have its origination? So it's really been um, from ages ago and uh, it started in Georgia. And it's just like uh, back in the day, people didn't have all these techniques, mm. you know, like yeah, okay, smash the grapes and leave it on. Mm. Um, it's still producing wine. But yeah, it's, it's really an old technique. And somehow recently um, in the last, especially like four years, um, everybody has been producing amazing uh, orange or skin contact wines. Mm, um, mm. And it's really, it's, it's huge right now. I'm mm. actually sometimes fighting with other people um, for my allocations of special <laughs> bottles. And, uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I can find the most amazing orange wines now. And um, I, I have really good connection in the industry because I've been here for over 10 years uh, working as a sommelier. And so, yeah, I definitely would like to share 
okay. with others. All right. And uh, the producers, some of, some of uh, I guess, the main producers of orange wine, are they uh, here in the U.S. or are they other places around the world? Where would you say some of the more prolific orange wine producers are located? So it's really now all around the world, mm. uh, including the U.S. Mm. And, yeah. Okay. And any, any, particular, uh, any particular varietal that, uh, that would be more amenable to the orange wines? Uh, it's been produced uh, with a bunch of different varietals, but um, you're really making a good point because um, there are some skin contact orange wines out there um, where I feel like, you know, maybe this grape is not necessarily the best um, to use it. Hmm. And maybe this grape is, has not enough um, coloration of the skin. And so then it c becomes more like a richer yellow. Hmm. And that honestly, yeah, sometimes it's not working. I've, I've seen it and it's really hard to actually sell something under orange wine when hmm. it doesn't have the color to it. Give us some varietals that, that lend themselves to, to orange wine being, you know, at, at its best? Um, so one of them is Pinot Gris. Um, it's actually like a, more of a darker skin, almost like, almost like pink colored mm. uh, grape, similar also to Gewürztraminer, which a lot of people like, you can't drink it when it's like sweet. Mm. But as a skin contact, it's like really, really meaningful and really delicious and there's a lot of producers that are now um, producing Gewürztraminer because you know it was really out of style mm. and um, there's a new style there now. Um, there are some great Sauvignon Blanc that you can do. Um, it's, it, it's so many. Okay no problem no problem. Okay so now how did you uh, how did you come to uh, put your organization together to uh, help promote orange wine? Um, so with my consulting gig, so I'm, uh, yeah, as you said, I'm a sommelier and I consult um, on retainer with uh, several restaurants and sometimes stores, uh, which is a lot of fun. Um, it's kind of built up that it has become my passion, but also in all these restaurants, um, we're selling so much orange wine. Mm. There, there's a lot of love. And um, I really felt like it's my biggest passion. Natural wine is definitely my thing. But from all those, those wines, I feel like Skin Contact is the one I love the most. Mm. And uh, I have a friend, a really good one. <laughs> and she basically is always asking me if I can get her some uh, orange wine when I see her, um, which is about once a month. And uh, she said, you need to really bring it to the people. Mm. Like she is, when she goes shopping in stores, she's not really sure and it's really hard for her to, to trust other people. And she's like, you know, you really have this good palette. You should really do it. Mm. Yeah. Her name is Katie Rogers, and uh, she's an artist. Mm. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay. So uh, when you uh, travel to, uh, to, to Europe, what are some, what are some of your favorite uh, uh, places to go to work with uh, natural winemakers? Yeah, so I'm doing uh, a lot of harvest. I really love uh, learning how to make wine and, uh, and be involved in it. And I like physical work. I mean, I feel like my day is mostly spreadsheets. People think like sommeliers drink all day, but it's a lot of like financial spreadsheets, mm. forecasting. Right. Um, so I, I try to do at least one harvest a year. 
Um, this year has been very busy, <laughs> mm. um, but I had my harvest in Australia earlier this year. Australia? Um, yes. Okay. Wow. Well, it's in March. Okay, so, so tell I us a little like, bit about that. About Was it was it a natural wine or white? Of red? course. What, what kind of, it uh, was so crazy. It's actually <laughs> a zero, zero. Do you know what that means? <laughs> okay. It means there's zero addition. Wow. Like zero addition of sulfur. Literally, it's mm. just grapes. Just grapes, okay. Um, yeah, uh, it's called Lucy Margot. Okay. It's a really great uh, winery in the Adelaide Hills. Mm. And uh, also, a few days, um, I um, went to Yeti and the Coconut in the Barossa Valley. Mm. And uh, that region, both of the regions, actually, I've never been. They're mm. both close to Adelaide. Mm. And really, that was a lot of fun. Of course, you know, you get there, it's always hot. But at the time, they had a heat wave. Mm. So it was very, very hot, mm. <laughs> way over 120, 130. Like wow. we were 130. I've wow. never experienced wow. that. Um, At harvest that, time. Yes. Wow. Uh, the grapes were burning. Wow. So okay. we we had to move. <laughs> we we had to move very quickly. Mm, okay. So now, uh, so, obviously, Australia is in the southern hemisphere. So. Uh, in the U.S., in the Northern Hemisphere, Europe, usually uh, harvest time is in the fall. Yes, right? it August, does. September, October. So right. in in uh, Australia, the harvest time typically would be in March. In March. Yes, okay. it's uh, you know they have other winters and summers right, than we do. Right, right. Um, same with New Zealand. Um, on the other side of the world. It was a very long flight. I won't take that for a long time. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, I saw an article the um, other day where they have, uh, they, they did a test 20-hour flight from New York to Sydney. I hear yeah, it, yeah, but yeah. that's also tough. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, <laughs> I couldn't do that. Uh, last year, I was invited to uh, make some wine um, or work harvest with um, Partita Cruz, mm. which has been like um, a real big favorite of mine, and I'm really happy um, that one of my um, vendors made that happen for me. Mm. Um, They're located uh, about an hour outside of Barcelona, which, I mean, it's kind of two things combined. Who, lo who doesn't love Barcelona? Mm. And uh, yeah, they produce uh, a couple of uh, different uh, skin contact wines as well, including sparkling skin contact. And they are actually the only ones in that region of Catalonia that work with uh, indigenous, one of the only ones, but uh, indigenous varietals that people literally ripped out years ago. Mm. And they, they are owning some of those lands um, and they, they still have them. Yeah, I, actually they're the only ones working with them. Mm. Okay, so now other than Australia, uh, do you have some other places that you've, you've done harvest? Uh, that was in Spain. That was in, okay, yeah. Spain, okay. What about, <laughs> have you done any in, uh, in South America or, or, or Europe? Uh, soon, soon, but soon, um, okay. I've also done um, France. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I saw in your bio you had quite a bit of experience in France. So. Yes. Um, it's fun. I mean, you know, like, it's you're learning every time when you, when you get to do a harvest. It's really hard work, but um, this is like, I don't want to ever stop learning. Mm, right. And I want right. to see new techniques. Mm. And if I wouldn't have been so busy this year, which is great, uh, I would be, uh, since I, um, more than a month ago, I would have gone to Donkey and Goat. Um, they are uh, located in near San Francisco in Sonoma, mm. and uh, they invited me to come along this year, but there was just no time. And I kind of knew that, and that's why I was like, I do my harvest in the beginning of the year when it's not as crazy. Wow, wonderful, wonderful. So I see that uh, 
according to Forbes magazine in 2016, you were named as one of uh, America's best sommeliers. And uh, how did that honor feel? And, and how, did, how did that whole uh, selection process go? And um, I didn't know anything about it. Um, I was just asked um, to talk a little bit about one of my favorite uh, things to drink um, during the summer. Mm. At that time, I mean, you know, it's always something new. And, uh, and then all of a sudden it came out. Um, and I was like, wow, that's, that's huge. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, I was very surprised by it. <laughs> okay, wonderful. It's, just, it's a wonderful yeah. honor. It's, yeah, it's nice. Okay, so we're gonna put your uh, we're gonna put your psalm hat on, and uh, I'm uh, I'm coming to one of your uh, restaurants here in New York City with a friend, with a lady friend. I want to I want to I want to uh -huh. impress her, so she can spend more time with me. And uh, so we're coming for dinner. We're gonna have a little uh, a little pesce, a little a little fish dish, and we're gonna ask you to give us a nice uh, a nice natural wine selection that you would recommend to go with our dish. Um, so you're having some grilled fish? We're having some grilled fish, and uh, that's, that's the main part of our course, and we'd like you to recommend a nice natural wine to go with our grilled fish. Um, I think you could still go orange. I actually got to try um, a really amazing one earlier today for my client, Trebizino, um, which is on the Lower East Side, and it's from Valentina Pasalacqua. Which mm. is actually in town this weekend for Raw, Raw Wine Week, um, and uh, she's making this amazing Falangina. It's only 10.5 uh, percent alcohol in mm. Puglia, one of the hottest regions. Right. I don't know how she's doing it, mm. but it's uh, extremely light. It's really more drinking like a white wine, mm. um, super floral, uh, minerally um, herbaceous, and I really think uh, with something like a grilled fish, you could still do orange wine. Because it's like versatile. You, um, not all orange wine are these heavy, massive mm. wines. It can be anything, but that's that's a really good one to seek out. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Okay, so we're gonna give you another one. Let's say we're gonna go to uh, we're gonna have a vegan dish. You know, we're our favorite vegan spot uh, on the Upper East Side here in Manhattan, and we we, we want to have a nice wine to go with with some vegan fare. So, so that one is, uh, you know, how does that how does that work with Psalms in the vegan fair? Help me out with that. What, what are you going to recommend for me? Uh, to be honest, I mean, I, I love uh, vegan restaurants, and there's so much happening there um, recently. Like, I think that people are really getting more creative with vegan food, and and I'm really happy for all the vegans out there. Mm. Um, you don't have to have meat every day, and so like I enjoy it too. Um, it really, I'm very specific if you get to know me. Mm, okay, okay. <laughs> Even some of my clients are like, oh, she's crazy. She's taking this all <laughs> too serious. But it's just how I am. Right, that's um, fine, that's fine. So what do you want me to You have to be passionate about something, right? Yes. Mm. What do you want me to pair? Uh, um, let's see. I'm, I'm having some, uh, let's say I'm having some grilled seitan. Uh, let's say maybe I'm having some uh, shiitake caps with some smashed, smashed sweet potatoes and maybe uh, some, some, uh, some spinach dumplings in a wonton soup. Oh, God. <laughs> Help me out. Help me out with that. that. That's one of my favorite vegan dishes. So help me out. What are, what are you going to pair with that for me? 
Um, <laughs> this is really hard because uh, there's a lot of, um, um, you say that, earthy um, aroma in there. Mm. Hmm. Especially with the seitan, right? The seitan can... Yeah, and the mushrooms. Right. Hmm. What could I do with that one? Um, maybe, maybe we can find something local, actually, uh, from Bloomer Creek. Mm. Bloomer Creek um, is uh, located in the Finger Lakes, a wonderful winery that's biodynamic. Um, that I really love their wines. Um, they're making some skin contact, some sparkling skin contact, but they're also making um, incredible white wines. Mm. Um, and they have a really beautiful dry Riesling that really, yeah, it's really delicious, very dry, super minerally, uh, floral. And I think that would really uh, brighten up this dish. Mm. Okay. All right. Sounds wonderful. Sounds wonderful. Okay. So one more. We're going to do one more. We're going to say, uh, we're going to move away from the... Uh, uh, from the whites and oranges, mm -hmm. we're gonna uh, just just take a little tack to a to a red wine, you know. So we're having a you know we're a meat eater and we're having a you know we're having a nice uh, prime rib, you know, with a uh, some potatoes, some nice veggies, you know, at a nice steakhouse here in New York or or in Chicago with a lot of nice steakhouses in Chicago. Give us a nice red that you that you would recommend. I love how you um, like, how you give me no time to think about this, but um, that's, that's why it's called one bottle at a time, right? You get to um, I, you know, you actually have one here that I really like, okay. and um, and that I see right here, one of my absolute favorites. Okay. But um, I want to say one thing that I feel that um, a lot of people just completely overpower. Um, meat dishes mm. with the pairing so like everybody thinks it has to be a mile bag or it has to be something really big i mean i have my 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 steak pretty rare so like medium rare is usually the best way to eat it i think not judging <laughs> um but um i would never overpower it with something oak laden like that's you know so super oaky spicy and rich mm. i would actually go more like for a gamay or a pinot noir mm, okay uh, in that case Wow. So there's this amazing wine, Refugio, uh, from Chile, okay. biodynamic winemaker. I honestly, this Pinot, when I had it for the first time, it just knocked my socks off. Wow, okay. I'm, I'm not going to lie. You have it mm. here for about $24, okay. which is a very fair price. And um, it's super silky. It's the lightest, one of the lightest Pinots I've ever had in my life. And okay. I mean, from from this like hot continent. Wow, wonderful, wonderful. Like, now we have to uh, tell our audience again, we have to let our audience know here in New York City if they want to get this particular wine. Uh, what's, what's the wine again the, from Chile? What's the it's name of it? It's called Refugio. Okay, wonderful, okay. So now we're here today at the Harlem Wine Gallery. So if you'd like to uh, pick it up, you can stop by the Harlem Wine Gallery. <laughs> you should. Right. I only see six bottles. Right. Compliments <laughs> of Miss Doreen Winkler. Okay. Wonderful. 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 Okay. So now uh, I know you do, uh, you know, you specialize in, in the oranges. Uh, <laughs> but, in, you know, once again, with the, with the naturals as, as the uh, panel you just mentioned, are there more uh, also reds along the lines of the naturals that you that you like or you have occasion to to uh, work on some of the harvest with? Uh, so many. Mm. I mean, um, 
So going back to um, Partida Cruz in Spain, um, they have, um, yeah, as I talked to you, the, these amazing um, uh, indigenous rituals, and um, they, they make this uh, red called Cotoish Vermel. Um, it's like really like this is also what I love about natural wine. It's just really vibrant. It mm. wakes you up. Mm. It's like it's it doesn't make you tired like some other red wines do. Like it's just so delicious. Mm. And um, yeah, I'm definitely somebody that also really likes uh, wines that are a little bit lighter. And I like my red wines chilled. Mm. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's that's a, that's a good point you make. And for me, some of the nicest. Uh, Red wine that I've that red wines that I've had, as you mentioned, uh, something that doesn't knock you out. And I like to one of the things I like to do is go to the beach, and uh, you know I like to when I have the time sit on the beach all day long with a good book and jump in and out of the water, and then have lunch, and maybe have a nice glass of red. But I still want to go back to the beach, <laughs> right? Exactly. And I want to get back in the water. So and you so don't want to nap, right? So that that makes sense. Like you said, it's good to have something that's. You know that's satisfying. That's that's uh, you know uh, exciting. You know, and you can enjoy the sunshine and still get back in the water and enjoy the, the balance of the day. You know, so that that's really uh -huh. good. Okay, so now we want to ask you, as we asked our other guests uh, here at one bottle at a time, uh, what was that first wine that you had that knocked your socks off and made you say, "Hmm, I like this stuff. I think I'm going to explore a little more." So. Um the wine is called, <laughs> um, the winery is called Dirty and Rowdy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Dirty and Rowdy. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're based in Napa. Okay. And they make a Semillon. Mm. And the Semillon has a little bit of skin contact uh, and it's made in this um, ceramic egg, mm. which is a really amazing technique. And I see a lot of really like that I seem to really like um, wines that are made in that in that way. Um, in that vessel, so to say, but yeah, um, I, I tried uh, his wine for the first time in 2013 um, when he really like just, um, just went out there and went for it. This was his dream, um, mm. Hardy is his name, um, the winemaker. And uh, I was having my first actually um, gig cons um, working actually in a restaurant called Aska as a uh, um, only with natural wine, so mm. um, not my first sommelier gig. Um, I've been on the road for so long, um, over 16 years, but I'm still 22. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and I was, so I was asked by this restaurant, Aska, um, to produce a 100% natural wine list, and mm. that's how it all started. Mm. And um, I, I didn't work with natural wine before, um, and it like kind of the revolution just started and I was really still one of the first one to break it. Um, and I just was like, you know, I want to do this, mm. you know, let's, let's do it. Mm. I'm not afraid. And mm. I just told him, but I want to do things right. Um, and I'm not going to give you a wine list tomorrow. Mm. We're going to, we're going to gradually build it. And, um, I, I had to like go to um, all the offices because like people can only carry to you like six bottles of wine at a time. So I basically did a lot of tastings with vendors at the offices in the morning from like nine to 11, had to be there at 12 at work mm. and um, taste literally every single day. And uh, we, we came up with 
a really good, or I came up with a really good wine list that really paired with this uh, Nordic food, mm. which was uh, very challenging because there was a lot of pickled, dehydrated, <laughs> smoked. You have no idea. It was so hard. Mm. Um, but, you know, when somebody really works with you and lets you try certain things, then you can really actually nail it and have the opportunity. And we have, we had like 18 course menus. So I did like some pairings there. Uh, it was so much fun. Mm. And um, from, from that time, like I felt like, I felt like this is really my thing. And I, I can't go back to uh, conventional wine, to be very honest. Mm. I'm not enjoying it anymore. And uh, like, I really feel like I'm home um, with the natural wine. And, you know, there are critics, you know, you go, you go to a big wine festival or you go anywhere and people ask you what you do. And, you know, like, I'm specializing, I'm a sommelier specializing in natural wines. So you, you, you get shit, but I don't care. <laughs> right, I, right. I really don't care. People well, are right. not educated enough to, to say these things. Right. I mean, right. these, these wineries working so hard without any of those chemicals to grow their wines mm. Mm. and to make their wines. So like, I really think who, whoever shits on <laughs> natural wine <laughs> really needs to do some reading. Right, right, right. Okay. Okay. That's, that's, that's a little different. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, we're going to take a uh, little break here at One Bottle at a Time. We're with Miss uh, Doreen Winkler here at the Harlem Wine Gallery. And uh, we'll be right back. Okay, we're back uh, one bottle at a time with Miss, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Miss <laughs> <laughs> Doreen Winkler. Uh, Doreen, uh, I understand you have a uh, subscription, uh, subscription wine club. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, so it's called Orange Glue, like as in glue, glue, unpretentious drinking, because I, you know, I wanted to make this uh, very simple. Um, glue spelled as G-L-O-U. Um, and it's a monthly um, orange wine subscription. Um, you can get three or six bottles delivered in the first week of the month. Uh, ongoing. Um, three bottles are at 105 and uh, six bottles are at 195 per month. And really, like, amazing producers you can find there. People like Radikon, uh, Grafner, Dirty and Rowdy, Donkey and Goat. <laughs> All my favorites. Okay, um, wonderful, wonderful. Okay, so now help me with this because uh, uh, there, there are quite a few subscription clubs out here for wine, and some of them are, are very uh, reasonably priced. Some are expensive, and some are uh, cheap, mm -hmm. for lack of a better word. And, uh, you know, I've had some friends that, you know, they, they've joined some wine clubs and... You know, they said it was a it was a good deal, and I think it was uh, somewhere along the lines of like uh, sixty bucks a month, and it was like four bottles a month, right? So, I mean, obviously, when I heard that as a wine drinker, I, I raised my eyebrow because that that comes out to fifteen dollars a bottle. So I'm like, okay, I don't. What are you getting? You know, so help the person that's a little wary about uh, the subscription 
program with wine, no. you know, to help help someone explain explain to our audience that you can uh, have a wine subscription for quality wine. Right. I mean, you're absolutely right. It's a very crowded market. However, I'm the first orange wine subscription. Okay. And only one. And I hope there's <laughs> nobody coming after me, obviously. Um, <laughs> okay. But um, it's like... I'm offering um, to, for everybody to try it out for a month. I'm not nailing anybody down. It's really about trust. Um, all my, um, my subscription is uh, supported by monthly events where people can try different kind of orange wines where I release what the package would be, the six wines. Um, so like I, what I want to really do is build trust. So I'm having an orange pop-up on Monday, where I'm launching, um, it's basically my launching event, and we're pouring over 20 um, orange wines by the glass, sparkling and still, um, available for half glass, full glass, whatever, how much you can drink. Okay, um, wonderful. Yeah, tickets on my website, okay. orangeglue.com. Okay, orangeglue.com, and, and once again, the date and the time of the event and the location? Um, October 28th, okay. 131 Christie Street. Okay, wonderful. Okay, down on the Lower East Side. Okay, yes. wonderful, wonderful. Okay, all right, so uh, we're going to finish with uh, uh, a question here. Uh, I'm someone that, uh, I'm a wine lover, and, and I tell my friends all the things I like and what I enjoy, and I go out to really nice, fancy restaurants here in New York City, and when I visit L.A. and visit Chicago here in the U.S. and, and enjoy really good wine, and I'm starting to feel like, I'm good at this wine thing. You know, I'm, I'm good at this stuff. I can tell my Riojas from my Pinoas, and, you know, I can, I can tell my California cabs, uh, you know, compared to uh, my uh, Australian Shirazes. You know, I can tell the difference. You know, you know what? I want to be a Psalm. So, so help me out for, the, for, for someone that's considering, uh, you know, taking that track to become a Psalm and, and they have any trepidation or... You know, what's the process uh, for someone that would consider that? And, and would you recommend it at all? <laughs> yeah, well, this is a really <laughs> good question to ask me. <laughs> so I'm uh, born and grown up in Germany. Um, so, like, for us, there were different things available. Um, I, you know, I, I didn't come from a lot of money, and I never wanted to, like, after finishing school, like, be have to rely on my parents or be anything of a burden you know and so I, I didn't have the opportunity to like go to really sommelier school because it's 18 months in Germany it's in Heidelberg where it's really hard to get a place mm. not only that but it's really expensive it's the most beautiful place on earth mm. uh, so I wasn't able to afford that uh, I was able to afford several courses um, at the German Wine Institute um, that really, um, really starts you. I feel like it's very good to have some sort of a base. We had a sensoric course, for example, that really, like, really was worth the money. Um, but um, then, you know, I worked my way up, and that's what I would really recommend. Um, I basically was like, let's let's go somewhere. You know, I wanted to go to um, Switzerland. And I was like, you know, which place has the biggest wine cellar? Mm. And that's really where I decided I want to work next. Mm. And you, you cannot even apply as assistant sommelier or anything. Um, 
it's like nobody's giving you a chance. Mm. Uh, so I started as a server, but I would always like help my sommelier and I would always ask a lot of questions. And you know, I see that with myself, whoever wants to know a lot, I'm sh willing to share. Mm. But if people don't, then you know, <laughs> I don't need to, you know, need to, you know, spread my knowledge towards them. And uh, I really highly recommend to really like start working in a restaurant, show some interest, ask if you can do, um, if, if you can help with the inventory, if you can attend some tastings. And there are so many here in New York, it's actually tasting season because it's buying season for Christmas and Thanksgiving and all of that. So I would highly recommend to ask a sommelier to, for a little bit of guidance. Um, I also highly recommend to like, what country are you most interested in? You know, buy a book about it, mm. Google it, you know, Google all the regions, um, learn about grape varietals, like, and then really perfect that one country mm. so that you never have to go back <coughs> and then start with the next. Cause there's so much to learn. You really should start somewhere. Here in the US, there are many affordable um, courses available and it's kind of honestly not I'm not really a big fan. It's a two, three day, two, two or three day course right, in your right. sommelier. And you can't, right, obviously. You um, can't learn in that period of time, right? Right. And <laughs> it's some, impossible, right? Some, some people are just bloggers, so they've never even worked the floor, which mm. also, like, that's very meaning, right. the very meaning of sommelier, okay. having worked the floor, done this. Um, I, I really think, you know, Doing some stuff on your own, really working in a, har a harvest or five, traveling into the regions if you can afford it. Really, it's good to just jump into it any way you can, whether you start as a server or you have opportunity to travel to different places around the world uh, and just harvest, harvest, just reading books, reading books, just googling grapes, go googling grapes, just just dive into it. Yeah. Okay, cool. There, there's so much work to be done, to be very honest. I mm. mean, um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot to learn. Mm. Um, and uh, it's probably best. I mean, I, I was that one, I'm talking like I was not really having a mentor. Um, I, um, yeah, I was crazy. I was a sommelier with 22 already, but mm. I work for it wow. really hard. Wow, 22. And, wow, yeah. you really, wow. Okay. And, uh, and I only had the idea when I was 20. So I worked mm. my ass off for two years and um, like got the opportunity. And uh, I think I got the opportunity because I was so excited. Um, I was driven. I had the knowledge. And, um, you know... It was actually really difficult because like, oh, you're female, you're 22, you know, older men going into the restaurant. <laughs> uh, like, oh, I'm the sommelier. Um, it was definitely a, a weird time. And, but which was really funny. And I got a lot of hard times from all the males in the industry. Cause you know, Hamburg is so much smaller. So there are only like a handful of buyers. Right, right, right. Buyer right. sommeliers, so to say. And um, yeah, they always were like poking on me and were like, you know, <laughs> you should talk about this wine. Right, Doreen, right. tell us about it. Right, right. But that actually only pushed me harder. Because, right, again, you got to follow your passion. You know, right, we, right. We, if we did like a specific region um, tasting and we were all invited, which is really like it happens like at smaller restaurants and then there's only 15 people there. Mm. And then we tried 20, 30, 40, 50 wines or something like that. Wow. And yeah. then, yeah, but I, I just really became prepared. And um, 
I, I was really young, successful, um, working Michelin star, mm. running uh, in a hotel, several, um, several outlets. Um, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy about this opportunity, but I, I really think it was because I was driven, I had the knowledge, and I was, I was willing to put those hours in, mm. um, you know. Okay, wonderful. We're here today at the Harlem Wine Gallery, and uh, we're gonna say goodbye from a wonderful episode uh, with Miss uh, Doreen Winkler and uh, Miss uh, Blaine Ashley of uh, Physis Female. So uh, once again, uh, Miss Ashley, if you can please tell our audience the one bottle that we enjoyed today. Oh, we had the La Herre Frere uh, Rosé de Pin, I'm sorry, Pinot Meunier. And it's extra brute, and it's delicious. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. All right. It's definitely one of my favorite rosé champagnes out wonderful. there on the market right now. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay. And uh, uh, for our audience, once again, uh, your Champagne Week event begins? It's November 4th through November 8th, so it's a full week. Okay. <laughs> all right. And uh, the location? Oh, uh, it's uh, all over the place. All over it's the a, place. So several different venues, and okay. everything can be found on www.newyorkchampagneweek.com. Okay, wonderful. Okay, so thank you so much uh, for uh, joining us here at One Bottle at a Time, Ms. Blaine Ashley. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Keep it moving. <laughs>